Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I'm just going to talk about my own mental health because um, I don't think a lot of people hear what mental health is unless it's someone making some sort of vague, rude gesture toward it, or maybe they read about it a little bit, but that's so incredibly um, void of any space that actually hits a part of their psyche that could actually make sense of what that might be like. I feel like you cannot really talk about it and give someone a sense of what it might be like unless you're first going through it to begin with. And even then, uh, so the person going through it, it's kind of hard to um, establish a connection through my own linguistic power. And let's just say you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You're not within that space, like empirically, like through your own psych psychological uh, reality, but you're dealing with it directly quite often. You're uh, interacting with it, kind of like similarly with people who are a part of someone, a family member who might have it. But even then, um, on documentaries and uh, I guess just different shows that you see, like people with OCD or people with schizophrenia or just clinicians or whatever, they don't really like comprehend what it would be like, even though they know essentially what's sort of going on. There's a big difference. I'm taking medication for ADHD and OCD. And I've suffered major bouts of depression, even though that's not really like the main hallmark issue right now, but it has been for quite some time. And I do find myself in periods of, uh, I guess, a lack of affect, where if you don't know what affect is, it's sort of like, you know, being um, affected by feeling in a, an appropriate manner. You're not having uh, a proper sensation. They're not, uh, you're not generating a, 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 a a spontaneous response to your, the, the, the uh, environment uh, in a way that's sort of appropriate when it comes to uh, like emotionally. Um, you're not enjoying the, you know, f physical response is, is one thing, but that's not a part of the brain that is dealing with how you are interacting with people and, and feeling the feelings you should be in life. So it's almost as if uh, there's a kind of distance between how you should actually feel about things. And in my view, it's schizophrenia is in part related to depression because schizophrenia deals with a lack of affect. And I have dealt with a discontinuity with my memory of how life is supposed to feel and how I'm supposed to interact with folks. I feel like I'm at a loss for a lot of my life where I had departed from an actual sense of how you should be responding to people what it actually means to be engaging with folks and engaging with what you're doing, you're not feeling it in a way that actually makes sense or you're not even connecting to it at all. And I don't know if this is everyone who does have depression, depending on the scale that you fall on, or whether or not it's uh, bordering into the more of the schizophrenic state of mind. But ultimately, there's a sort of a severance between your, uh, your reality, the actual reality that you are continuous with, and the one that you find yourself in currently. Imagine uh, essentially getting together with family, but you're not excited to connect in with your family and you don't have much of a continuity with how you feel, so you don't really remember how all of that is supposed to go. You just f don't remember how that is supposed to feel either, even though you know what that was. Even in your memory, it's a very faint, sort of unreal sensation that you're missing. And when it comes back to you, it's almost like a remembrance. It's a, rec a recollection of sorts. It's weird to think of something automatic that should be a self-remembering as not being recollected.
not like it's some sort of uh, acquired skill that's supposed to do something, you know, something you're supposed to acquire. It's just something that's latent in your uh, psyche uh, in, its, in its own way. So if you're missing um, something automatically present that's supposed to be there, it's way different than missing a skill or, or not catching the memo. It's just like you're missing the thing that doesn't need to be remembered, which is most essential. And so if that's a part of your life, then you're not living life. You don't have a life, really, if you, have, if you are major depressive, for the most part. Every waking hour, every waking minute is a struggle. It's as if you are struggling, like you are drowning, literally. You're fatigued, but in your brain and in your life. And that's just going on and on and on. And for people who don't know why you could possibly feel the need to want to commit suicide, I assure you there is a reason for that, and it has a lot to do with mental health disorders, either that or it's induced through a psychosis or a, some form of mental health disorder that's manifested through drug abuse. I want to say typically in this culture it's going to be uh, through the abuse of, well, heavy alcohol drinking, I suppose, um, but methamphetamine for sure. Uh, even marijuana, um, I guess anything, but like that's, those are the, probably the big three marijuana blocking dope. You don't dream as much. You don't hit REM. You don't restore, you don't recycle what you need to recycle neurologically. So, uh, if you're, if your neurology is off balance and your sleep isn't the same, you're going to for sure have some uh, psychological consequences to that. And also if you're not dreaming, you're not consolidating memory. So that's why your short term's being taxed so heavily. Uh, and in schizophrenia, it's common to have gaps in your continuity. So you're unable to string them along through time and have a coherent sort of narrative within your life if your short term is being completely severed because you are not dreaming and consolidating memory and including that for drinking as well because that will shift your uh, deep sleep and your REM stages as well. Um, but more or less... Uh, will end up suppressing your, your delta wave sleep, which is essential for repairing your body and making you feel rested, you know? Your cells aren't repairing and you're not um, consolidating memory. So when all this is being thrown off, of course you're going to have some sort of uh, discontinuity in your waking life. And you're also missing out on uh, the continuity of just being in a uh, base equilibrium of being. You're severing that tie as well. You're leaving that space and going into another one. You keep doing that. You, you lose your ties to a base reality. So I think happy people are people who aren't doing these things as much. And of course, if you're locked into methamphetamine, you know, you could kiss any sanity goodbye within a couple of weeks. Because if you're not sleeping for a week on end, well, then your brain isn't uh, balanced and your neurochemistry is off and you're delusional. And the effects of that are quite remarkable. I guess what I'm saying is uh, a lot of people who aren't as effective in life and can't keep relationships uh, on the up and are sad and lose jobs and aren't progressing through life the way that they should be and they are not in a healthy, balanced, uh, onward path or in such a way where they could actually feel like it's worth it to even go onward. It takes energy even at, at a uh, healthy, basic level, but... To go through it like this, it's 
even takes a lot more. And so we have a culture that puts down people who are already facing this crisis because it's much more than 1% of people that are going through this. It's more like, I don't know how much, I would say genuinely somewhere between 10 and 15% of people are, are, are getting put through something. Something's going on. But even more than that, it's just uh, everyone's so stressed out for whatever reasons, you know, their own cognitive dissonance, their own traumas they haven't worked out, abusing drugs, uh, not knowing it because everyone's drinking, <laughs> but just mental health disorders as well, more on the fringe, but certainly uh, more and more prevalent, especially within our emerging youth and what technology is doing, especially to young women. Um, but if you would imagine this, you're slowly slipping into negative thought patterns, more and more so, and the nervousness within your nervous system is firing off towards every little thing, and you start becoming more and more and more nervous and paranoid and negative, and stressors in life are more saturated, and but you don't realize it because you feel like your continuity has been what it always has been for the most part because Nothing's changed, except very slowly you start slipping into a state of mental health that is not good. And what would it feel like to transition? Is it like this gradient or what a lot of people would like to say about your identity is it's a gradient? Well, things don't really work on a gradient when you slip into a mental health disorder. You could imagine it's sort of like this. One day you're becoming a lot more introspective and thinking about the deeper questions in life and you're wondering what it is that it is you're doing here. What's the point? You know, why am I so bored? Uh, why is life hard? Whatever. You're just, the connectivity between you and your own continuity is being interrupted with taking time out of just living life and just sitting there and um, almost like <laughs> philosophically just removing yourself from just being in your own mind within your own continuity living your life however it's going you're just you accept what's happening a lot easier you're just you're just there for it you stop being really there for it and you stop really moving forward through your, your own continuous existence and it starts becoming this well, at least for me a uh, removal of just letting life exist on its own for its own sake and to actually start questioning why why am i here it is good to question why on things it's not what i'm saying i'm saying for your own existence what is this you don't have to ask those questions the meaning of life is just to live you know there's no further questions but when you're questioning this and you really want answers and your own existence isn't enough so then your existence is like well why should i go on then if, it's, if it doesn't feel like the game's worth the candle here why am i going on so you you're sitting there with your blanket on the, on the sofa, and you become more and more uninterested every day. You become more and more stagnant. You become more and more less emotional, and everything starts to turn way down from 8, 9, and 10, down to 4, 3, 2, 1, and life is just a flat, gray thing at this point. It's not very animated anymore, and you stare off into the distance, into the abyss and your eyesight dims out as if someone turned the lights down halfway like on a slide one of those slide lights it just it turns the room down visually 
there's less light coming through your eyes. There's this shade literally getting pulled over your sight and a mental fog sets in. You're no longer approaching reality through an inspired continuity of being. You're now questioning what would even be the point of carrying on and doing anything at all. But that's not why you do anything. You do it for its own sake. So you're stuck in your head, unable to actually do anything, and everything feels painful for some reason. You feel neurologically painful, and everything becomes extremely and extraordinarily turned up in the department of anxiety. For some reason, there's a, a walls are closing in on you, and you don't know why. But they just are because mental health is irrational. The mental health disorders are irrational. You might rationalize why they exist or how they could be explained or why they're there. And I, guess, I suppose I could, but I don't really know. Um, but nonetheless, that's what's happening. And you've severed the original feelings and thoughts and patterns you had associated with your life because those are now gone. They are now unreal so is happiness and love. You can't imagine another day. You just, I know that's weird. It's like, well, how could you lose yourself? Well, I don't know. I don't know why you, you could just do that. I don't know how. That's if you have a real disorder, this kind of stuff happens. But your brain sort of just essentially switches stuff off and it kind of gives up, even though you're alive. Your, your brain's trying to die, but you're still alive is sort of how that is. And now everything is extremely difficult. Getting up out of bed feels like you had the hardest football practice or something or the hardest, whatever. I mean, or it's just like it felt like you had four beers and you didn't drink any water afterwards, you know, and you woke up. It's almost like that on a base, base level kind of reality. Everything is just harder all the time. And yet these people tend to be uh, pretty high achievers, pretty intelligent. I'd consider myself in one of these categories. And well, that's why they say uh, there's a 500% increased likelihood that you have a mental health disorder or, or major depression if you have a master's degree or higher, or if your IQ generally is more than 130, or if you have a major spike in a certain aspect of, of your intelligence, it tends to bring on this kind of effect. It's kind of the unfortunate trade-off. I don't know why evolution would want to sponsor that idea. Apparently, that's just a ramification of being that way. Um, I don't believe having special talents or being gifted in some ways um, will make life easier or better or will make you better. Certainly it, it will take another piece of your life. It'll take your whole life, actually. It will usurp another part of you. The most important parts was just whether or not you actually feel good about who you are, what you're doing, and feel good just being, being there. That you're a product of millions of years of evolutionary space that has worked and that you are a creature of high vibrational material and intensely complex proteins and chemicals that signal a whole universe of being inside you and i think we complicate ourselves because we no longer let that process be uh, and trust and have faith which and why i think religious people tend to be happy even though i think some of these people are kind of dumb happen to know a secret about life that um, I don't know how I work my pineal gland, but it just so happens to work anyways. And if there is a seat for the soul, Descartes said that's where it is. And to have faith and ha have connectivity with a greater sense of being is to have faith and know that this stuff works, you will be happier. And I think that's one of the major points being had there. 
And I think if you don't see that, well, I think you're kind of dumb as well. So, but at any rate, not to, you know, knock on everybody, but I think everyone needs to get knocked. <clears throat> not that I'm a special knocker. It's just, I'm the one that knocks when it comes to stuff like this, I suppose. So I have this podcast, I guess. <laughs> but so I guess if, if you would imagine, say for instance, um, you have something in the pit of your stomach that won't relax and this inner restlessness of anxiety won't let you be. And you have to do everything that you usually do that's really difficult. But now you have to do that difficulty under an extreme sense of uh, dysphoria. More than body dysphoria experienced by people who are whatever gender. I'm not even going to want to talk about that. I don't want to go there. But your life is dysphoric. And it's not your fault. And it's just something you have to deal with. And here you are. And here I am, you know. OCD's weird because... Now it's less depressive. I'm just more, I keep thinking about stressors. I keep uh, locked in my head about things, people, situations that stress me out. Um, wherever I go, I'm constantly recycling, doing whatever I'm doing, but I don't have to think about it. But it's stressing me out for no reason. It keeps recycling and as much, the more I try to suppress it, the worse I feel. And if I let it go, I let it go. But then I just wind back into another cycle of of doing this sort of thought process. So really it's just um, a happening that I can't suppress. So I have to like let it go, but I can't let it go and I can't hold on, such is life. But in this way, I'm forced to deal with this aggressively, uh, endlessly cycling thought pattern, almost like Tourette syndrome where people can't help but blurt out certain things that just occur to them, not consciously or intentionally, but these thoughts will happen in a similar fashion. And so then there's a disability for normal people to go through these kinds of things. And um, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And uh, relationships become harder. Everything becomes harder. I would imagine where I'd be if I didn't have to deal with any of this. Probably a very successful person. Uh, I'm already relatively successful in my own mind, I suppose. But definitely not anywhere where I should be, where, where I would have been, uh, given that different conditions allowed for me to not have to deal with what I have to deal with, but it is what it is. Also, there's this general interruption with, um, there seems to be this constant forgetting of what I've already traversed on my path. I have to keep re-remembering, and that's a part of OCD as well. And the more I string it together, the, the more I'm able to deal with it. And I think also keeping heart rate down is good. Um, keeping my blood pressure down and relaxing. I drink coffee a lot. Sometimes I say coffee helps, and I think Kind of does, but also I get anxious and can wind my mind up quite a bit as well. So I don't really know where I stand with that. It seems to kind of do both. But ultimately, imagine not having a minute go by where you're not recycling some weird thoughts that just disturb your uh, peace. So I can't have peace and I can't really even meditate. Can you imagine that? This is mental health to me. And there's different kinds and different strengths of it and different stages that you progress into. <laughs> So for people who aren't doing as well or, or seemingly doing um, what is contrary to what would otherwise have been good for them, isn't because they're fools necessarily or that they are uh, ineffective in a sense. It's just simply they're going through much more than that you could imagine. And to take pity upon this kind of stuff because it's no one's fault that they're there and they're trudging through with a lot on their back and to just be compassionate and nice to these folks is something you must do try to do and um, not be too bitter if you're like me and people aren't treating you well my message to you for people who don't believe in ssris or medication neurologically speaking research has been done and you do need to interact with neurology in a different way 
It won't be informational or behavioral necessarily all the time. This kind of stuff needs to be physically dealt with in a sort of uh, brute force kind of way, chemically. It will help people, and the least you could do is sort of approach it in an anodyne sense to just, hopefully, if you could create enough space for them to experience a little bit of bliss and ease the pain, then that's good. That is a win, and that fulfills one of the main purposes of health, is to try to heal, yes, and ameliorate, and solve, but also try to just turn this, the pain down, turn the pain down in the world a little bit and allow for a little bit more of the light to come in. If there can be a window, if there can be a window there that can be opened up, then you just open that up. And I implore you not to be too conspiratorial about that stuff, even though there's probably other ways uh, in which you can experience a blissful life. However, we are not dealing um, with a blissful life all around. There's problems socially and in the world, and there's a problem with our diets and such. Uh, but since the problem's already there, I don't know if you're going to approach it more effectively in another way. So if people are taking pills, I recommend you do that insofar as it's not producing weird effects on you. I know I have more to say about this. It's very chronic. I, uh, I've had to deal with mental health issues, I think, most of my life but more prominently and when with, uh, like when the lights were turned down, I'd say I was about 17, almost 18 years old. It was about a month before I started my senior year at high school. So this was in July sometime, 20, 2009. Yeah, 2009. I'm used to saying like 2020 or 2018, but like, yeah, 29, I guess, 2009. So it's been over 13 years. I can say things are better, but it doesn't mean that things are good. If you're mentally healthy at all, I would show some appreciation for those that are suffering for what they're going through and um, hold space for that and never put it behind you to neglect yourself. It's important that we treat each other with love and respect all the time because you don't want to send anybody here. All right, well, I'm going to leave off there and I hope this was informative and uh, I'll see you next time.